You're listening to the Toolstation Western League podcast with Ian Knockholds and Tom Hiscott. Welcome, listeners, to episode 27 of the Toolstation Western League podcast with me, Ian Knockholds. And I am delighted to be joined on the line, not by Tom Hiscott, the editor of the Bulletin. I'm, af- I'm afraid Tom isn't uh, available to join us this week, but I am. Um, welcoming back uh, after his debut. It's James Healy, of course, the social media manager for the Toolstation Western League. Hello, James. How are you? Very well, Ian. How are you? Well, I'm relieved that we have the FA Vars to talk about because this this had the uh, the potential to be a very light episode of the podcast. But um, I think we're gonna we've got plenty to talk about. Of course, we've got those two monster games in the FA Vars. Um, we've also got an interview with Jack Richardson, the uh, first team coach at Bristol Telephones. Um, I we have got uh, an interview as well with Dan Langdon, the uh, the manager of Bitten, the all-conquering Bitten, of course. And um, also, you'll be hearing the first of our serialised interviews um, with Martin Cassidy, the chief executive of Ref Support UK. Many of you will be familiar with their work, uh, I'm sure. But uh, in our first interview, Martin explains a little bit about what that uh, organisation organization does and that's very much in tune and kicking off our love the whistle campaign we very successfully um, did a campaign um, to promote the volunteers across the western league and now we feel it's the right time to shine a light on the the contribution to our game and beyond that are made by um, our match officials as well so you'll be hearing that a little bit later but um, well we'll kick off with the um, with the FA Vars Jim and um, well two monster ties Um, the first we're going to have a look at today is Hebburn Town taking on Plymouth Parkway. Now, I think that this um, was something like an 800-mile round trip for, for, for Plymouth Parkway. And, um, well, it, it probably wasn't as much fun coming back as it was going. I can imagine it was a, uh, a long trip home for uh, for the Plymouth fans and the, uh, the Parkway players, but at least they got a nice nice bus to uh, to travel on. But as you say, the uh, Unfortunately, uh, they won't be joining uh, Western League partners Bitten in the semi-finals uh, after falling to a 2-0 defeat. Um, following the long trip, as you say, up north, uh, Parkway suffered an unfortunate loss uh, with uh, Sedwin Scott scoring uh, two first-half goals for the Tyne and Wearside. Um, Parkway keeper Carl Moore, uh, he earned plenty of plaudits apparently for his uh, performance between the sticks. Uh, but despite going close on a couple of occasions, um, the uh, current Premier Division leaders were unable to grab a breakthrough to uh, try and get through to the semis. Yeah, I mean, it's always going to be difficult for Parkway. We should say that Hebben, of course, are the um, the, the, the bookies' favourites um, for this year's Vars. And um, I mean, you know, the other the other fact that needs to be sort of publicised is the fact there were 1,700 people at that game. Um, so I mean, it, it's been an it's been an incredible ride for Plymouth Parkway. They've done themselves and the Western League a great deal of credit. And I mean, you know, I, I don't I don't think there's any shame, do you, Jim? In you know, in I mean, they've come up short at Heaven, but I mean, what a place to go and what a crowd um, to play in front of. Yeah, I mean, 1,700 is a phenomenal amount of people to watch. It must be give the players such a buzz to play in, in front of such a crowd. You said earlier, it's just a, a shame Plymouth couldn't. Uh, could get a, a friendly result up there to get through to the semi-finals, but I'm sure they've uh, take plenty of positives from their run in the in the Vars this season. 
Yeah, I certainly hope so. I certainly hope so now. But th- there was, of course, more joy for the Western League um, in the other tie. Um, Bitten, of course, were pulled out of the hat. They had to go away to, to Wroxham. And um, I know when I discussed this game with, with, um, with Tom um, previously on the podcast, you know, we were a bit concerned that, you know, going away from home, particularly at this stage of the competition in the Vars, never going to be easy. But, well, B- Bitten made it look pretty easy, didn't they, Jim? They did. A resounding 4-0 win away from home, played in front of another good crowd of just under 1,000. Um, but Wroxham, uh, they featured Premier League, well, former Premier League striker Grant Holt in their side. Uh, but it was Bitten striker Liam Bishop who outshone him on the day. Um, Bishop's currently on loan from Hereford and scored all four goals. Um, and it was his second hat-trick in as many games. So it was quite impressive from him. Bitten made a great start to the game, took a deserved lead just before the 15-minute mark. And then uh, on 40 minutes, Bishop doubled his, uh, his tally for the day and made it 2-0 when the assistant had judged the ball across the line after the ball bounced down off the crossbar. But then right just before the halftime whistle, the home side reduced to 10 men when Clark was shown a straight red card for a, we put it, a very enthusiastic tackle on Alex Grimshaw. Uh, so they were down to 10 men for the whole of the second half. Uh, just after the hour mark, Bishop got his and Bishop's third. Uh, when he got in behind the defence to finish clinically past the keeper. Uh, and then the start of the day, Bishop got his fourth of the day in the closing stages when he drilled over from close range, much to the delight of the uh, travelling Bitten fans, uh, which was seen on the video on social media. Yeah, absolutely right. Now, of course, that right, that fantastic result has rightly got um, and Bitten quite a lot of... Um... And publicity, and uh, not only the column inches in the, in the Sunday Independent, of course, but also they've got a pretty um, good spread in this week's um, non-league paper. Now, I, I don't know if you've uh, I don't know if you've seen the the headline that the uh, that the that the, the, uh, the non-league paper have gone uh, gone with um, um, Jim. It's um, Bishop's just a bit brilliant. Brilliant. What do you you like that? Yeah, I love that. I do love your puns. Well, that wasn't mine. That was that was from the non-league paper. No, you know, yours, yours are better, to be fair. Far be it from me. I mean, I I, I must confess, you know, with a scoreline like four nil and a and a goal scorer like Liam Bishop, <laughs> I did wonder really whether you could have come up with something a bit better than that. But this yeah. is a family show, of course, isn't it? So um, I'll probably I'll, I'll I'll keep my opinions to myself. Anyway. Um, on a serious note, of course, that really was a fantastic um, result uh, for the for the Bristol side. It will come as no surprise, of course, to the listeners that I like to have a chat with our successful um, managers. And um, Dan Langdon, we had him on um, a, a couple of rounds ago in the Vars, but I, I, I'm very pleased that he took the time to speak to me for this week's podcast. And I started off by asking him how much he knew about Roxham before the game. To be honest, we did have um, a good bit of research, um, to be honest, mate. But uh, again, I think with cup football, that does sort of go out the window. And, you know, I think cup games is always on the day. But we were well informed, so we had some good research. We had a game plan that we worked on with Rob Sage on the Tuesday night prior to that game. Um, the players executed it to perfection. So, yeah, so we, we went there with a good foot of knowledge and uh, we delivered. Now, given the wipeout that we experienced in the Western League on Saturday, at any point did you have any concerns that the game wouldn't go ahead? We did, obviously, on the, on the way up Friday morning. We left Bitten um, around 10 o'clock, um, and the whole way there, it was just torrential rain <laughs> on the motorway. Um, but as we got closer and closer, the, the weather did sort of uh, seem to ease off, 
and then Saturday morning we woke up to uh, a dry, clear sky. Myself, Rob, and the chairman went to the uh, the ground at eight o'clock, and in fairness to them, it was uh, perfect. How long was the journey for you on the Friday? It took us just over six hours. Um, we did have a 40-minute stop on route, um, obviously for the driver as well. But uh, yeah, it was uh, a long journey. But um, in fairness to the club, they put us on a, a luxury luxury coach, and um, they made the journey as uh, nice as possible for us. Well, the, the gods were certainly smiling on you. Now, um, I know from our previous conversations that you're a manager who's always backed backed his players, um, but. But the, were you surprised by the sheer scale of Saturday's victory? It's, it's, yeah, no answer, really. Um, we controlled the game, you know, throughout the 90 minutes. Um, and like I said, when, when we're good, we're really good. And when we're bad, we're really bad. So Saturday went in our favour. And the players, like I said, when they turn up and, and play like they do, or they can, um, and it's possible, really. Um, and in truth, I think... 4-0, it could have been 6 or 7. Yeah, the 4 will do, of course. Now, without question, this was a team effort. Um, but but when we look at the contribution of Liam Bishop on the day, that was really quite outstanding, wasn't it? It was. And, I mean, that, that lad at the moment, wherever he touches, seems to turn the gold. And he was um, he was outstanding, his work rate, the, you know, his, his work rate off the ball. Um sometimes goes unnoticed some players what they do off the ball but uh, he's reaping his, his benefits and his rewards at the moment um, but as I say as a team effort he's got to get that service to put the ball in the back of the net so all across the, bar, uh, the park it was uh, fantastic Now obviously your league form hasn't been what you would have hoped it would have been this season and um, when we look at the signing the recent signing of Liam Bishop and we reflect upon the contribution that was made to your team by Ben Bamant last season and of course the goals he's gone on to score in the Southern League this season do you think you found earlier in the season at least do you think you found his boots hard to fill? Absolutely Um, Ben you're like gold dust um, and I said Liam's very similar, similar his characteristics and how he plays um, so I think we've hopefully uh, for as long as we can uh, retain it with us we've hopefully uh, find that replacement Well let's look at the draw it's happened um, on TalkSport 2 today and it looks you've been drawn against either Atherston Town or Concert in the semi-final did you have a preference for who you got in today's draw before it was made? No um, for me, you know, it's going to be four of the best that are left in the competition. And to be the best, you've got to beat the best. So, with the, you know, with the semi-final, with the two legs, you get two bites of the cherry. Now, for me, you know, to get to the final, you've got to beat whatever in front of you. And, you know, if, uh, if, if we believe ourselves to go all the way, then we've got to beat what's in front of us. Um, now, Hebburn, of course, the conquerors of um, Plymouth Parkway, they are the bookies' favourites. So were you glad you didn't get them? Uh, again, you know, I've got to say no, because I, so I do back myself and my team to, you know, if we apply ourselves right and, and, work, and work in the way we know we can, then I, I, so I fancy us against anybody, especially over two legs. So, um, no, I'm happy. With, I would have been happy with, uh, with anyone. So if we look at Atherson then, they play at step six and they are less than half the distance than it would be if you went to concert. That's got to be something that's, um, that's on your mind um, in the next round. 
Yeah, um, the travelling is, is, you know, so it's major. Um, and it's cost implications as well from a, a, a club perspective. So, you know, I would like to have the uh, the lesser journey of the two. But again, uh, we'll have to wait and see on that one. So you've got Hallen up next in the league. How difficult do you think it's going to be for you to get a performance out of your team after the the effort, the emotional effort, as well as the physical effort that went into um, Saturday? It's going to be tough, um, especially the fact that Hallen are uh, such a good side. You know, the, the, the players they've got, and I think they're making their intentions quite clear with the signings they've made at where they want to be. Um, and it's going to be a bit of an anti-climax, I think, from Saturday. Um, said with the... Emotional, no, so myself and my sister were emotionally drained after the game. <laughs> um, so it's going to be hard to get the boys uh, their heads right. Obviously, it's, it's another day in the office, um, and as a game, we've got we've got to try and win. So, but we'll have the boys up for it, and hopefully, normal business resumes. Now, the, the last time we spoke, we talked about how we hoped that the whole of Bristol were going to get behind you in this cup run. Um, well, that's changed now to the whole of the Western League, and really, you should really be getting the backing of, of the whole of the South West of England. When we look at um, how many people you're hoping to get along to your leg of the semi-final, how many people can you get in your ground? Uh, I believe it's 2,500. We had 1,800 there last summer with the Bristol City match, um, and the ground was um, regulated then for all the safety, um, and I believe it was 2,500. So a full house and a raucous atmosphere, and that will do just the trick for you? Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Well, we've got most of the month that, to, to, to uh, sort that out, because the game, I think, that it, well, your game is being played on the 21st of March, isn't it? That's correct, yeah. Yeah, and then, and then you're away the, the, um, the week after. I mean, just out of interest, did you have a preference whether you'd be playing at home in the first leg or the second? Uh, I would like to have had the, the home leg first, um, and that's from a... Again, that's me, the, the businessman coming at me because I want uh, I want the crowd there. Um, you know, you could potentially have gone away in the first leg and either won heavily or been defeated heavily, and so many people they could have thought the tie was over. So I think having it have been first keeps the uh, keeps it a little bit more exciting. And my thanks to Dan for his time. Now then, um, before we move into a bit of Western League action, um, we have had the draw. It was broadcast live on TalkSport 2. Who have bitten um, drawn in the uh, in the semi-finals? Well, they got to wait for, uh, for the quarter-final game between Concert and Atherston take part take place. That got postponed last weekend, so it's been played this Saturday. Concert are in the Northern Football League Division 1 and currently 6-6. Uh, and Atherston play in the Midland Football League Division 1. Uh, also sit six, so uh, be interesting to see who goes through. Obviously, concerts a long way to go to County Durham uh, and Afton in the Midlands. So uh, I wonder if Dan will have someone scouting them this weekend. That replay is actually being played at Atherston, isn't it? They're the home team with the hometown advantage. They are indeed, yeah. So if Dan is sending someone to scout, he hasn't got so far to go to the Midlands rather than up to County Durham. No, that's true. I mean, in fairness, Bitten themselves have proved that actually home home ground advantage is actually, you know, it's not the be-all and end-all. Uh, I'm sure everything's um, still up for grabs, but we'll be, keeping a, we'll be keeping an eye out to see who they do draw. Another job, another saving. Brought to you by Toolstation.
Is this all the receipts? Yes, boss. For everything we got from Toolstation? Yeah, why? I just thought we'd spend a lot more than this. Oh, no. We got all the best brands too. Makita, Santex, Karcher, Nest. Top job, top saving. With over 15,000 trade quality products at prices that are hard to beat, we're here to save you on every job. At Toolstation.com and all 340 branches. We had a complete wipeout across the um, certainly the Premier Division on um, uh, on Saturday, but we did get one game going ahead in the First Division, and that was uh, Lebec United and the visitors were Bristol Telephones. That's right. Yeah, uh, brilliant all-round display from uh, Bristol Telephones. Who currently sit bottom, but saw them run out five five-one winners away at Lebec uh, to give Telephones their, only their third win of the season. Uh, man of the match, Dawid regular scored twice uh, for the visitors, uh, with the other goals coming from Ali Boyer, Joe Hillard, and uh, then Rory Rory Langdon. Because it's the only game of the day, obviously Telephones gained some ground on the teams just above them in, in Division One. Yeah, I mean it's a pretty apocalyptic situation, isn't it, when we lose a you know a, a pretty much a full um, fixture roster, and of course it couldn't really have come at a worse time in the season, is it? I know that there's a lot of conversation online at the moment, Jim, about you know whether or not the season's going to be extended, because of course we've already lost a lot of games to the weather, and um, to you know to lose an entire Saturday schedule was was pretty terrible, really, wasn't it? It was, yeah. It's um, obviously Lebec play on the 4G, so uh, that helps. But even they had a game called Offgate Sherborne the other week because of the uh, the high winds and safety fears, so. Uh, Yes, uh, it's pretty concerning all the games that are being called off at the moment, but obviously you can't help the weather. No. Well, one man, of course, who was pleased that, that that game did go ahead was Jack Richardson, the first team coach uh, at Bristol Telephones. And um, in the course of our conversation, I did make the point to Jack that, that te- Bristol Telephones goals were a little bit like buses. You wait ages for one to turn up and then five come along at once. <laughs> yeah, you could say that, to be fair. We have been a little bit... Um... Up and down on that front, really. It's, it's quite funny there because I think we played three games over Christmas and we scored 15 goals in three games. And then the next three games, we didn't score one. <laughs> and then Saturday, we go and score five. So, yeah, yeah, it, it's a little bit consistent on that front. No, I, I would agree with that. Well, you certainly don't do things by halves. Now, we've, we've heard already this season from a number of managers who say that sometimes fixture postponements can be a help and sometimes they can be a hindrance, depending on what your squad availability is like. But you, you were in the bizarre position at the weekend where actually your game was the only one that was going ahead. So were you pleased when you found out that was the case on Saturday? Yeah, to be honest, I've been... Um... It's been such a weird couple of months because, like I said, over Christmas we we played three games in succession. Um, one, two of them lost one five four to Longwell Green. Uh, so we we picked up a little bit of consistency and good levels of performance. Uh, and then it was like you're playing every two three weeks then. Um, and and when you're trying to build uh, consistency and get a run going together, it's so hard when you're having a game off every week basically um so yeah we were delighted really to get a game on and, and i said at the start of the week when i think we had a game off tuesday night um i was i was away last week and um, both games were off which i was quite glad about secretly to be honest um and then obviously come back and i knew we would be playing on the saturday with with it being the 4g pitch at the gfa um so i was really happy about that we had a, we had a really strong score going into it so i was, was quite confident anyway um and and again like you said we must be in the only game on it was a chance for us to kind of show everyone what, what we are about um, and we did exactly that 
Because Lebec aren't, um, you know, they're not poor quality opponents by any stretch of the imagination, are they? I mean, they, they on, on their day, I've seen a few of their team sheets, and you know, they've got they, they boast an awful lot of experienced um, players. So, were you were you surprised by the sort of the magnitude of your victory on Saturday? I was and I wasn't, to be honest, because it's got, I've, I've got to say, when we played the back at home, I thought they were, to date, probably the best team that come to our ground, I thought, on that day. Um, the score was only 2-0, <coughs> but they, I thought they saw the game out brilliantly, they moved the ball brilliantly, it, it was, they were really good to watch, to be quite honest, um, we couldn't get anywhere near them on that day. Um, so it was one of those games where you're thinking... Uh, that could happen again, especially out there. But like I said, when I got there, um, our lads were confident. Our lads were up for it. Um, and then, kind of the second half started, and we, and we went two one up. Um, when we went two one up, obviously they started going for it a little bit more, um, and we left two up. And Ali and David, who stayed up the top for us, who were both fantastic on Saturday. Um, David's got really good pace, and Ali's really good at holding the ball. So I always felt that. With them leaving two back a lot of the time and us leaving two up, if we could get the ball to Davin and Ali, we, we were going to create chances in that second half. Um, and, and we did exactly that. And like you said, I wasn't expecting it to be 5-1, but to be honest, the chances we had, it was probably a good reflection on the game um, come the end. Now, when we spoke to you earlier in the season, we um, we talked about the fact that obviously you've joined Bristol Telephones um, as a coach um, this season. And I know that although the, the, the start... Um, was a little bit stop-start. You were hopeful that um, that the phones wouldn't struggle in the way that they did last season. Now, clearly, that's not been the, the case because you're sitting at the bottom of the table. But does Saturday's result against Lebec give you hope that actually the team that you, we were talking about, your aspirations earlier in the season, that, that actually there's still enough time um, to, move, um, to move telephones away from the bottom of the table? Com- completely. I don't, I don't think I... Uh, any of us uh, ever lost kind of hope or belief that, that we would. Um, I think we've been very unlucky this season in terms of like availability with some players, what some players have had going on. Um, so it's been it's been really difficult to get our best side together. Um, but I can't sit here and criticise the lads that have come in and, and played in those games because they've been brilliant for us and they've stuck with us through through thick and thin. Uh, but it's been one of those where, like I said, you're trying to build something. Um, I mean, like, I go back, I refer back to those three games at Christmas a while back, and I'll refer to it again. We had three teams of settled side, and one of the lads, again, I mentioned Ali earlier, he went travelling for two months, then you take him out, and then you've got to try and change everything around to to um, deal with his loss, if that makes sense. Um, so then it, it's, it's always been we're trying to chop and change and find the kind of right team and, and I always said on Saturday showed it when, when we can get a really strong side there and probably our best side together uh, we're, we're saying that we had both Golden Brothers suspended Saturday so we have we have players to come back into that um, we are really strong but like I said it's just been one of those that this season we've we've missed a lot of players and and we've and to be honest I, like I, I I've said to lads a lot of the time I will take a lot of that on my kind of door because I'm young, I'm still learning. There's probably things I should have done differently this season. Um, but I think as a club we're only going to be better for it and, 
after that win Saturday, we've got 15 games to go, um, 15 winnable games in our eyes, and, and we'll do our utmost to win them. That, that three points on Saturday has now moved you to only one point away from Bishop Sutton, who are the team above you, and then um, third from bottom, it's Devizes, and yeah. they're on 15 points, so that's uh, only four away from you, and of course that you, you've got a game in hand over them. Um, there is a bit of a, a, a leap um, between Devizes and, and Welton Rovers, and we'll perhaps reflect upon that a bit in a minute. But, I mean, when you look at the bottom of the table, are you seeing it, do you think, as a three-horse race now to see who avoids the drop? I don't really. I think it's hard because I don't. you look at the table, but I don't overanalyze it, if that makes sense. It's kind of <clears throat> one, one team at a time, and, and that's how we've got to be. Uh, obviously, Saturday's taken us within one point of Sutton and a game in hand on them, and we've got to play them in two weekends' time. So we feel that's completely within our hands. With devices, we've got a game in hand and we're four points off them. I feel we're going to win enough games between now and the end of the season to be able to catch them as well. And then anything above that's a bonus for me. Um, I'm, like I said, I'm not too worried about what they're doing. No disrespect to them. We can only concentrate on ourselves. And yeah, that's the way it's got to be. Because if we look at the National League system regulations, um, what they've what that suggested at the start of the season was that the bottom two positions from um, the first division would be liable to relegation. That's quite an interesting way that the FA have phrased that. We're getting increasingly used to these um, rather open-ended statements because effectively what that's suggesting is, well, you may go or you may not. But, of course, is your target now really finishing... As long as you finish anywhere outside the bottom two, um, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be happy with that. Yeah, completely, completely. The way this season's gone, um, I think that is that. That's our aim. I think, to be honest, our aim was always to just kind of stay in the league and, and kind of sustain ourselves as a Western League One club. Um, and, and right now, yeah, that's definitely the aim. Obviously, like you said, no one knows what's really going to happen in the summer. It's kind of. Um, it's going to be a waiting game at the end of the day wherever everyone finishes um, but that's all we can do get ourselves out of that bottom two and then and then we're safe in our eyes and then, and then we can relax and build for next season So you've got Cheddar up at home next and then you're away to Welton Rovers uh, now of course we mentioned them earlier they're 17th in the league but they have got twice as many points as you I suppose realistically though you have to be targeting teams like Welton who find themselves you know towards the wrong end of the of the table in order to pick up points so looking at those two sides Cheddar and Welton I mean how what would for you what would represent a good points return from those two games it's hard to say I think I think when you go and do that you put a bit of pressure on the situation uh, from, our, from our point of view we're going to we're going to try and win both games um, off the back of Saturday. I don't think we... And to be honest, not just off the back of Saturday, off the back of the whole season, I don't think we have any need to fear anyone. Um, I mean, you look at our record against kind of the top three in a way. We played Calm, we lost 1-0. Longwell Green, we lost 5-4. Batwell, we lost 3-2. Seven teams near the top. We're, we're, we're not getting battered by those teams. Um, yeah, we've had the odd game where we have been battered this season, but everyone gets them. Um, We've got to go into that game Tuesday flying. After after the Saturday we've had, we've got to be flying into that game. Um, and we've got to be trying to take the situation we're in now. We've got to try and take three points off of every team we play. Um, but I'd love to sit here and say that we want to aim for six points out of the next two games. And, and, and deep down, that is the aim. You know, that is, you go into every game to win. Six points would be lovely. But ultimately, at this minute, we, we take four, we take three. we we just got to try and get points from games. I think that's as simple as it is. If we can get away with 
wins here, draws there, I think we'll be fine. Now, one final question for you, Jack. Um, this week, we start a campaign um, within the Western League, across the Western League and beyond, really, to um, to highlight the contribution that match officials um, make to not only our league, but, of course, the game of football in general. I mean, when you look at the um, the quality of match officiating in the first division and, and the experience you have working on a match day and communicating with our match officials, what, 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 are, what are your observations? What do you make of the quality of match officiating in the Western League? It changes week to week, to be quite brutally honest with you. Um, you have some really strong referees, you have some not-so-strong referees, and that's the same with the officials as well. Um, look, at the end of the day, I, I wouldn't want to be a referee, and I completely respect them for doing that on a Saturday, um, because it's a tough job. Um, it's a really tough job. I don't think I don't think any player would sit back and say it's easy, um, or a manager for that for that fact. Um, I think a lot of the time, people probably get. I'd say the most thing I get for shit with is probably inconsistency, um, but that's probably the same for everyone. But overall, the, the standards okay of it. I'd, I'd say the main problem I've probably come across this season um, is obviously the FA respect campaign. I'm completely behind. Um, but sometimes, and I think we've been on the end of it sometimes, I don't feel referees, when they come to us, show us the same respect as they want. Um, and respect's a two-way thing, in my opinion. Um, on the flip side of that, you get some referees that are absolutely brilliant. And, uh, and for me, the best way to referee the game is to be vocal and talk players through it, talk managers through it. Do you know what I mean? If you're transparent with the decisions that, that you're given, there's, there's kind of no room to argue with it because it's being explained to you. And I get they might say, well, we don't have time to uh, um, talk throughout the game and etc. and explain every decision. I don't, I don't want lectures. I literally just want five-second little snippets as the game's going on. That's why I've given this. That's why I've got that continue. Um, and I think if if referees kind of pick that up, I think there probably wouldn't be any... Well, that's probably a lie, because there's always going to be... Football's a game of opinions at the end of the day. There's always going to be people disagreeing. There's always going to be people on the end of decisions that they don't like. Um, and that's the way it is. Um, but like I said, completely respect the referees for what they do. Without them, we wouldn't we wouldn't have a game at the end of the day. Um, and we wouldn't have that thing to go to on a Saturday. And my thanks to Jack uh, for his time. Now, we will have a look ahead at the, uh, the fixtures uh, coming up um, this week. And um, hopefully we won't have so much problem with the weather. By the time that you listen to this podcast, of course, there's every chance that uh, the, the game between Bradford Town and Plymouth Parkway has already happened or, or not, as the weather may be, on Wednesday, the 4th of March. So we won't dwell too much on the matches that are going on in, in, the, um, in the midweek. Save one honourable mention for um, a bit of Friday night football. I know this is something that Tom always likes to feature on the podcast, a game between Corsham Town and local Devises Town, uh, that one um, taking place uh, on Friday the 6th of March, kick-off at 7.30, and that's at Corsham. Uh, if we look down a pretty full uh, roster in the Premier Division, what game has caught your eye here, Jim? Well, I got in before you this weekend, so I've, uh, I, the one that's really standing out for me is Plymouth Parkway against Hallam. Obviously, Plymouth Parkway currently sit top, uh, depending on the game on Wednesday, see how that one goes. Hallam are obviously uh, flying at the moment as well, so uh, yeah, that's... Uh, mouth-watering game that one and I'm going to go for um, Shepton Mallet against Westbury United Shepton Mallet at this season's Westbury United um, Shepton going very well um, Westbury not doing 
uh, not doing too bad. They picked up certainly of late. So I think that this could be quite a competitive encounter um, between two sides that certainly have aspirations to break into the um, into the top echelons of um, uh, of the Premier Division. And um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see who comes out on top here. And then moving on to the first division, Jim. Where's uh, where where's which game has caught your eye here? Um, one that's caught my Warminster versus Sherborne. Uh, Warminster sitting mid-table, but Sherborne pushing near the top end of uh, the first division, looking for promotion. Got a couple of games in hand. Um, it's very tight at the top of the first division with uh, top five, three points separating the top five. So uh, there's some, some big games coming up in the uh, in the first division. Yeah, absolutely. And none bigger, arguably, than the clash between Longwell Green Sports and Radstock Town. Now, Radstock desperately need this game to go ahead because they really have lost um, a lot of fixtures to the weather. They've got points and matches to make up. They were going very well in terms of their form, but they really do um, need to, um, to, to to get a few more points on the board, I'd say. And, of course, Longwell Green had a little bit of a blip a couple of weeks ago, but now they're looking very much back to their, to their usual um, selves. Um, so this is a proper clash for the top four both of these sides I know keen um, for promotion uh, this season so um, I reckon that would be a fantastic encounter and let's just hope it beats the weather now then on this um, rather shortened edition of the Toolstation Western League podcast um, we aren't going to worry about the league tables or the goal scorers because there's been very little movement in that regard one thing I would like to highlight though is what I mentioned at the top of the podcast our match officials campaign now for the next four weeks the Toolstation Western League will be celebrating the contribution made to our game by match officials the men and the women in the middle and on the sidelines now before you start switching off I think it's worth remembering two things we might treat match officials like the pantomime villains of football but without them we wouldn't have a game to watch secondly like the players the managers and the fans match officials are just people too they're someone's dad husband wife girlfriend boyfriend father and whatever you think they're doing their best when we abuse a match official we might ruin their day but i can assure you that they don't wake up in the morning wanting to ruin yours so for the next four weeks, I will be serialising an interview that I've done with Martin Cassidy, the CEO of RefSupport. Now, I'm sure that some of you will know what RefSupport is all about. But for those that don't, I asked Martin to explain at the start of our interview. Hi, Ian. Well, RefSupport UK are the first registered referee charity in the world. And we were, we were created by referees who have... Funny enough, all four of our trustees have officiated on the on the Western League for some time, and we wanted to create something to give referees independent support away from the FA. We don't receive any funding off the FA or any governing body, so we can have our independence, so we can challenge the FA on what we want to improve about referees' training and support, both on and off the field of play. In the terms of the structure of the pyramid, what what, what levels do you um, do you support referees at? Well, we, we, we offer that support to any referee across the country, particularly um, referees who want to remain anonymous. We have our referees from professional level contact us for advice and support, but we like to concentrate our, ours on grassroots level. So we coach and mentor referees right up to level 2B, which is the conference north and south level, and right down to grassroots level for people who's just taken the referees exam. So obviously you're taking an interest in in the Western League as a, as a league. I mean, when you look at the standard of officiating and perhaps the treatment of match officials in in the Western League at the moment, how do you assess the health of the game? Well, the health of the game nationally is is problematic. It's not just 
confined to the Western League, but we do work with other leagues. But because we're South West based and we started in the South West, and like I said, all our trustees have, have worked on the Western League. Well, combined, we've done about 100 years on, on the Western League. Richard Mellon, people will know Richard Mellon, people will know uh, Dave Brammer, obviously myself, and Janie Frampton, who was one of the first women to referee on the Western League alongside a, you know, a, a legend lady called Wendy Toms. So we we think um, the Western League just reflects everywhere else. The only thing that we think is absolutely brilliant about the Western League is how they've addressed the support for referees. They were the first league in the country to approach us and ask us for some independent help and support because we just we won't just take the referee's side. We do offer consultancies to football clubs on things like match reports from referees about the performance, uh, dismissals and yellow cards and EOIs, which are extraordinary incident reports which a referee might, might, might send in. Now, we've said this before on, on record that we're never going to say that every referee is, is perfect for the level they operate at. Some referees are up too quickly. Some referees just haven't had the soft skills training of how to deal with confrontation and challenging conversations and, and, and confrontation. And those skills are not taught by the FA um, at grassroots level. And we believe concentrating on those first and getting your soft skills, you know, to a level that can help you aid your control of and your communication with players and club officials really, really helps. So that's something that we like to, um, to really concentrate on. So when you talk about support, uh, is your primary um, function really to help develop um, match official skills, you know, their knowledge of the game, perhaps the, the way that they manage players, the way that they manage situations with, with, um, with managers, that sort of thing? Yeah, all, all of it really. You know, referees, particularly at Western League level, and the assistant referees, they should be fully compliant with law. They should know that, you know, if they're not up to speed with all the modern practices and law amendments, then they shouldn't be operating at that level, frankly. And I know there's some changes have come in recently, particularly at the Western League with sin bins, which are a challenge to referees. There's no, there's no doubt about that. But it's a tool that's, you know, that we think is a good tool to, to have in the box. But we, we concentrate on everything, really. Some people, you know, say contact us in, in confidence and others want us to go public with things that's happened to them. Some that we talk to, probably we'll tell them that maybe you've, you could have prevented that. With, with our association with the Western League particularly, with you know, some of the managers about, some of these guys that are now managers and chairman of football clubs, we refereed. So when we go to clubs, we've got a really good connection with an awful lot of these clubs. And so a lot of them are really honest and open with us, and they tell us how they feel, and they tell us what they think of the referee, both positive and negative. But one thing that is clear is that a lot of managers, the personality changes when they're on the field to play, depends on the results of the game and their perception of the performance of the match officials. We can sit down with loads of referees in the Western League and, and with managers as well and have a pint and a chat and everything's fine if it's away from the game. The Western League Conference is a really good example of that. You know, we love going down there and having a pint with some chairman and, and managers and players and, and people realise that you know we are fans of the game. And we're not just just this, you know, necessary evil of the game. And my thanks to Martin for his time. Now, Jim, you played an instrumental role uh, in um, supporting the last campaign we ran, which was, of course, to celebrate the contribution of the volunteers that we have across the Western League. And you did a lot of um, 
uh, activity on social media that really helped to raise the profile of not only what we were doing, but also tell some of the stories um, of volunteers across the league. And I think you got a pretty good response from that, didn't you? We did, yeah. It was. Um, it went down really well. It's not just with like followers of the Western League. It was around the area in general, just people looking, and hopefully more people started to volunteer with our uh, with our clubs from from that campaign. Well, very much building on the success of that is what we're trying to do with this match officials campaign. And um, we've got some similar messages to send out this time as well. How are we going to play it on the social media front? So, yeah, we're going along the similar lines of the volunteers because uh, that worked really well. So if it's not broke, don't fix it. Um, working on that philosophy, yeah, we're going to do some quotes from uh, the local referees. And then obviously we use the interview you've done uh, with quotes from that as well and push out and... Hopefully, um, we'll get a similar response we did to the volunteers uh, campaign. And just in case there's anybody listening to this who doesn't know where we are on social media, how can you find the Toolstation Western League's various accounts? You can find us on Twitter, uh, TS Western League, uh, Facebook, again, uh, TS Western League. Uh, We're also on Instagram, again, uh, TS Western League. Excellent stuff. James, thank you very much for um, for, for deputising uh, for Tom. Um, we may well be catching up with you again uh, again soon. I do appreciate you taking the time to help me out with this week's edition of the podcast. If we do speak in, uh, again in the coming weeks, I hope we'll have a little bit more football to talk about. Um, but uh, from James and myself, you've been listening to the Toolstation Western League podcast. Oh, and one more thing. Love the whistle. <laughs> <laughs>